everyone, and welcome to episode 143 of Midweek Game. I'm Harry FTG, only joined by one of my regular co-hosts this week, Gabe Nassif. Hey Harry, hey everyone. Sadly, Pat could not join us this week as he is in Germany for some work commitments, but hopefully he can get on the cast uh, in future episodes. But getting into things, we have three new patrons this week. We want to thank Dan, Tanner, and Oriel. Uh, thanks to all three of you. Thanks for supporting us. Yeah, and this week we have a lot of interesting things to talk about. I went to Copenhagen for the Legacy European Tour for the Grand Open Qualifier. I did do some commentary, so I guess we're going to be doing a little breakdown of the event. Gab also played multiple challenges, both challenges with Blue White Days in doing, so that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about as well. And maybe, you know, we'll just get to things along the line. I think, Gab, you played some alchemy or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but before we get into things, we do have to shout out our sponsor, Card Market, for supporting this podcast. For those who don't know what Card Market is, it's a marketplace online to buy anything Magic the Gathering related, whether it's deck boxes, sleeves, accessories, playmats, singles you can sell on there, Flesh and Blood, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Digimon. Check them out. They're amazing. Cardmarket.com, cardmarket.eu for anything card game related that you need. But I guess I'll start things off. Copenhagen flew out on Thursday and came home on monday sick event to be honest i did feel the gp vibe first thing that i want to say is everyone kept saying to me like oh it's not the same as gps and you know i wish channel fireball did it well they're not i spoke with the managing team at legacy and they said to me they're like yeah we want to make it very clear that these aren't gps anymore the way that it's uh handled by watsy is not like a gp the way that the amount of players they expect is not a GP. They said that they want the hall to have around nine, seven to 900 people in the hall every day. And we had 470 players in the main. And we had multiple side events running, both on Friday throughout the weekend. Saw people playing the le- the actual legacy format. Saw a lot of limited being played. So did feel like everyone who wanted to do something got to do what they wanted to do. There were vendors. I believe there were four or five ve- big vendors in the center. And I actually sold my collection um, at the at the event. I had maybe probably about 600 to 700 rares on my shelf for the past three years. And I thought, you know, I might as well. I, I wouldn't mind the extra cash. Let's bring in, see how much they at least offer me. And yeah. Yeah. No, right. Uh, you're going to tell us how much uh, how much you got for them? Yeah, of course. I was kind of kind of leading to a build up there, but they offered me 440 euros. I was like, what? Okay. And uh, basically, I, I bought these two commander pre-cons. I'm sure all the commander players are laughing at me for not knowing the price, but the Ur-Dragon, they gave me like 65 euros for, and Edgar Markov, they gave me 45 euros for, so it was literally a fourth of the money was from two commanders. Yeah. And do, do you own any commander cards? I hope so. I have no <laughs> idea. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, but that's it, commander drives the magic world these days. Not surprising, yeah. I guess. It blew my mind, to be honest, because what is it? They went through the cards so fast. Shout out three for one trading. The guy had some sort of spreadsheet and card market up on his computer. Shout out to Card Market, sponsor of the stream, uh, sponsor of the podcast. 
and he just flicked through them all. He was like, this is five, this is one, this is 10. And I brought like a load of commons and uncommons that I see being played, like maybe Merchant of the Veil vale and Dredge in Modern. There's like Spore Frog, you know, Cycling Lands from Modern Horizons 2 and 1. Um, what Like just loads of random fa Fatal Push, stuff like these. Price them all. Give me 440 euros. I think that was rounding as well because I think they only wanted to give out notes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was it was amazing. And I think I do actually have more cards that I need to bring to the next event, Paris, which there was a lot of controversy over. I have no information on this so because I'm not an employee of Legacy, so I can't give you anything on that. But going to the actual event coverage, they... Um, Legacy kind of, well, licensed it out to another company. I don't know the perfect business terminology there, but there was an Italian company with us called Foxhound Factory, mm -hmm. and they're basically an esports organization in Italy, and they host tournaments there in Italy. So they had this interesting computer set up where they had a really powerful computer hosting the stream, and we had two people essentially in front of me, but behind the camera. And what they would do is they would copy one of their monitors onto our monitor so that we could see the, the gameplay. And then they would be recording that monitor and putting an overlay on it in OBS. And then we had access to deck lists. We had access to matchups and the, the awkward part. And it's, you know, just the way it was set up is, if they needed to do something to the stream and we needed to see deck lists, we both had control over the same mouse. We both had mouses, but they controlled the same mouse on the same computer. So it was a bit awkward in that sense where, you know, I tried to open the deck list, but they were moving something on the stream. And because I would move the mouse, at one point I actually moved something in the overlay by accident because I moved the mouse as he clicked on something yeah. and it like dragged the gameplay up. <laughs> Yeah. But um, apart from that, the they, they worked really well. And they clearly knew their stuff because they weren't fluent in English and still knew what we were implying by pointing at things and, and stuff. And also working on the fly, a big complaint in the Twitch chat was, oh, there's so much downtime. And I think it was in round 13 or 14 of the event where one player, um, I think that, there was a player on the top tables who had a very big language barrier and they only spoke Spanish. So there were constant judge calls with them as there were a huge amount of miscommunications. Mm -hmm. And there was a 20 minute time extension for like table three or something oh, wow. at the event, which was really bad for us. So Foxhound Factory, shout out to them. What they did was they got one of their phones, started streaming the camera of the phone to their computer, recorded that, and then we had commentators commentating over it. So I was holding the camera out in the field. We got permission from the head judge, and we managed to get matches down on the floor while there was this 20-minute break, oh, wow. which was great. Yeah, it was, like, so impulsive. I actually said to them, I was like, look, we got 20 minutes downtime. We need to get something out. Is there any way we can get a phone out there or a camera out there to record it? They're like, yep, that's no problem. Give us five minutes. They got it, and we managed to watch the rest of the game, which was pretty cool. What else interesting happened? Did I you, think what was... Yeah, sorry? I was going to just ask you if you enjoy doing coverage. It's not the first oh, time you course. do it, right? Um, 
no, this this was the first time I've done it, and not only that, it was on a major scale. So I just kind of I I just use my skills of commentating over <laughs> over Twitch streams when I'm in between modern challenges and just you know essentially treated it as the player I was talking about. I'm in their shoes, try and use hidden information, make sure that people viewing understand that one player doesn't know what the other player has in hand, even that we do, and talk about things. I think what was very rewarding was trying to make a prediction of what a player was going to do, and then they would do that play, and then Twitch chat would kind of, you know, get hyped over it. Like, yeah. in round round two, uh, Peter Ward, actually, my friend, was playing, and he had a Jason 5 against Merktide, and I was like, oh, he's going to plus to it, and everyone chats like, no, he's going to brainstorm, and even my commentator was like, oh, he's going to brainstorm, and then he plus two'd it. So that was pretty fun. Yeah. I saw you were commentating with Felipe Carola. Anyone else? Was it just the two of you? Or I'm assuming there was, not, there was more people than just the two of you. Uh, we also commentated with Will Hall. Oh, yeah. Of course, I did see you, Will, at some point, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. No, no complaints, to be honest. The only thing I was saying to... The managers asked me in person to give some verbal feedback, and I, I was like, "Look, here's my feedback. No problems, no problems. Only improvements. Genuinely, the the event was really well ran, and I think it was really well ran for me because they hired out a separate company to do it. They knew what they were doing. They yeah. had all the equipment. They could answer all my questions, and there was a very good photographer there taking photographs of me, which is going to be nice to get access to. I emailed them, and they said they'll get it to me soon. But talking about the actual event, I guess, if you were going to play, um, it ran smoothly. Not Sorry, it ran slowly, the event. Not because of Legacy, but because of all the four-color control players. <laughs> I was walking... Yeah, dude, I was walking yeah. around the venue every time I would get a 10-minute break because there's just some... Co- Four color control player tanking with some sort of time exchange extension. The amount of time extensions that four color control gets is insane to me. And I think honestly, I wouldn't mind the same logic used with Sensei's dividing top used on something like Ren and Six because it it genuinely was starting to ruin the event for me. How draining it was and how long it was going. You need to play a paper event to understand how painful it is for three, four color control mirrors to go to time. It's it's very painful. Yeah, I guess zoomer zoomer logic. Just no, I mean it's true. It's it's super long. I heard that things were not super great on Friday, but improved on Saturday. Um, organization wise, I had a couple of people who were actually at the event watching my stream on Saturday and. Uh, they gave us that feedback. So, you know, I think it's what the second event that was Bologna, there's Copenhagen. Hopefully things keep improving. And um, Well, yeah. I actually spoke to the manager about Friday and he was saying to me, he said, the, the huge problem is that players have to sign up with their email address and everyone was having spelling mistakes in their emails and they had a bunch of MTG Melee accounts that didn't link up so they couldn't start the tournament because they had like 20% of people, I don't know how many people, had their emails in wrong. So a lot of players had to come and re-sign up to the event which slowed down the side events immensely. And um, they were basically saying that they want DCIs back because apparently there's so many typos in the email but I think that this can be fixed by just having like a 
email confirmation. You know when you type in things twice? Yeah. But I have no clue how it's signed up. If it's signed up through MTG Melee or something, I don't know. But yeah, that's what I was told about Friday, as well as um, the team was still setting up. They are a team of, I believe they're a team of eight people for the venue. And then the Foxhound Factory was six people for the live stream. And then you have the judges helping out as well. So, you know, th- there aren't a lot of hands and minds to really work these things. And I think that people also need to pay attention to the fact that um, this is, you know, their, their f- what, second time hosting a huge event. Very, very, you know, some people are very not forgiving yeah. of what Legacy have been doing. And I'm not talking about the pricing. I have no comment on this. I don't know what's happening, but I think a lot of people are you know not understanding how hard it was and i i've spoke to many different tournament organizers i have heard rumors that the reason why legacy is the ones hosting the event is because channel fireball or card market or any other big company they didn't want to be the ones having to charge extreme prices you know a lot of people keep saying to me like all channel fireball should be doing it card market should be doing it star city game should be doing it there's a reason why they didn't want to do it. They were offered. They could have done it, right? So I think a, a lot of people are also putting the blame on Legacy and saying like, oh, get someone else in when I think you know yeah. there are other things at stake here. Um, but, you know, I think there should be some more transparency. I do get a lot of, because I'm now becoming a face of Legacy, I keep getting like hate and for the company I am not an employee of Legacy, so I have no clue about your concerns, and I also have no influence over your concerns. I can only say what I've been told by the managers that I'm allowed to say, and obviously it's annoying because maybe there are some things that I don't agree with, but I cannot express those because I'm now slowly becoming um, whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I heard... One big change I heard and why the pricing might not be good is because Wizards just doesn't support the same way they used to as booster boxes and whatnot, right? Yes, this is something... I didn't get told this by Legacy. I was actually uh, told this by someone else, but yes. I think that Wizards of the Coast makes companies pay for the prize wall now, which once was free. Yeah. And that insanely knocks the value of a tournament right once was what free is now having to be paid for so it now has to be recouped from the entry of side events and yeah it's just insane i i think it's actually down to the person above legacy not legacy and with less support I mean, I, I think it's quite obvious. If there's less support, why do the bigger companies want to do it? They don't want to do it. They, you know, anyways, I, I don't really want to get into this too much because it is all speculation. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's not my place to say, but the main event, Modern, despite the four-color control, despite all that, it was actually a ton of fun. You know, being able to walk around, seeing goblins play, seeing... Um, Eldrazi Tron, Tron Prison, Blue White Control, Team Rhinos, Living End. Huge diversity of decks, 470 players. You're going to see those one-ofs interesting decks. And that's what I love about Paper Magic. You're not going to a Magical Line meta. You're going to the meta of what do people have 
in terms of cards in their collection or what they can borrow. And I had a ton of fun. I genuinely, if I was not commentating, I was going to play because of my prize from Axion now of having a free main event ticket, which I'm now giving away on my YouTube channel. And I thought that, you know, despite the price, if you have the money to go, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, you don't always have to make money for Magic. It was genuinely a great event. And they had what I really liked is I believe it was round three or four. They had a dropout event for a lot of modern players, a one day dropout event. You're doing badly in the main dropout. And I believe that there was actually a uh, RC. It was like an RCQ, a smaller RCQ, less invites in it. But if you're doing terribly, you probably want to put your money on that one, right? Yeah, no, that's cool. That's good good structure, I guess. Good scheduling, smart. Makes you feel a little less bad if, if you don't do well. That's cool. I was uh, looking at the, at the deck list. Do you want to tell us a bit? Uh, is there one of these decks that stood out to you? You were talking about some of these rogue decks or one-ups decks. Is there anything you saw that was especially sweet? or? Well, to me, I thought that the deck that was going to win the event was Living End. Because on day one, we had two players at 8-0. We had... Was it 8-0 or 7-0? But anyways, we had a living in mirror on table one, and it was Harry Burke, I believe, versus Joel Larson. And living in looked really strong throughout the day. I was watching on the tables. There was living in all over the top tables day one. So I was like, okay, living is clearly the best deck. And then day two, they kind of bombed out. Joel Larson made the semifinals, but lost to Christopher Larson. And I'm wondering if it's because the density of four color control players increased into day two. And I think that's not a very great matchup uh, for Living End. It, it is some, somewhat close, I believe. I think it might even be Living End favorite, but it's it's definitely a close one. I'm not sure that's the reason. I mean, maybe it's just a little variance. If you look at the top eight, it was kind of what you would find online. You know, some Hammer, some Merktide, the Glimpse deck. Um, I think seven different decks in the top eight. The only, only redundant one was Azorius Hammer, which also had the best win rate out of the most played decks. It was Azorius Hammer, 55%, Merktide, 54%, Living End, 53.5%. And then out of the most played deck, that's it. You had uh, Yagmas, slightly sub 50, like 47, Amulet Titan, 48, Burn, 47.5. So Mono Green Tron was actually. The like fifth or sixth most played dead. They had a forty percent win rate, though not great. Um, what about blue white controls win rate, Gab? Blue white control, <laughs> Zorius control, Kahira thirty one percent. Yikes! I actually played a couple leagues of regular blue white control. Uh, I'll look at it later, but yeah, it looks like Waffle Tapa hooked uh, hooked a bunch of people in. There was like the first really cool list or a little different at least, is in 10th place, you had Samuel Gisselson, who was playing uh, Blood Sun, Jeskai Control, kind of one of Spike's fed deck. I don't know if it's Spike's latest list or Samuel's own take on it, but four Chalice of the Void, four Blood Sun, almost like some kind of prison deck, four Cryptic Command, <laughs> just really getting max value out of the Lotus Field, four Teferi here of Dominaria, Solitude, Fury, um, cool looking deck. So shout shout out to Samuel. Yeah, we actually saw him playing the winning in. He had a winning in for oh, wow. Toppy. 
but he lost against, oh, I think it might have been Merktide Regent or no, no, no. It was, it was the Titan deck. It was the, I believe it was the quote unquote 10 rack, the player that inputted their deck name wrong, which really stumped huh? our coverage. But yeah, I think, you know, going into other breakout decks, I thought it was between Living End and actually Creativity. We had a lot of creativity on the top tables on day two, kind of compared to Living End day one. And I was really impressed with the fact of how a lot of players were trying to innovate on if I don't have creativity, what's my game plan? So for example, there was a deck playing Titans as their creativity targets with Valakuts in the deck, which I believe made top eight. I think it's the 10 rack list. Yeah, it's exactly the 10 rack list, which I thought was pretty cool. Just creativity all over. We even saw creativity in the modern challenge, right? Yeah, there was four, four or five copies if you take both top eight commands this weekend. It's funny because it's, I mean, not to brag, but it's kind of the deck I I, I built a few months ago and I brought it back to, to popularity, I guess. And I played it a bunch and it was good at first. And then I was like, yeah, it's it's good, but I don't feel like it's tier one good. But every, every week and people doing well with that deck, the list is improving a bit. I'm not a fan usually of the Titan payoff. I feel like Archon's just infinitely better, but maybe the meta is in a spot where Titan is decent. I'm not. I'm not too sure. Uh, historically, though, I'm not a. I'm not a fan of mixing Titan and Creativity in the same deck. I think you're better off uh, just putting Archon of Cruelty in play. I think the logic behind it was that, or the logic why it did so well, is that four color control typically does not play Counterspell anymore. And I kept seeing on coverage these Titan players just casting a Titan, getting double Valakut against four color control, and then they would lose. So I'm wondering if they did so well because their Archon hit was also very castable and essentially almost wins the game as soon as it hits the table. Yeah, maybe, but this matchup was already pretty decent for the Archon deck because you can pressure them a decent bit. It's kind of tough for them. You, you, you force them to react a lot, and then the game drags on and you just start hard casting Archons. Mm. So, I'm guessing this matchup is is fine either way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There, there was a deck to highlight though. What that won the whole event? Uh, Gianluca on Titan Shift again, just crushing Joel Larson in the finals. Essentially the same as. Well, it's just Titan Shift, right? You got Primal Titan and Scape Shift and Four Wish to get things from your sideboard, and um. Yeah, just showed with four color control, not playing any counter spells, just Titan, get your lands. I think yeah. that Gen Lu I also saw Gianluca play against Living End, and Living End had the same kind of problem. You can subtlety the Titan, but they'll just cast it next turn. Get a load of Valakuts. Obviously, there you can build a massive board and kill them in one swing, but. Yeah, Gianluca just crushed the event. I spoke with him actually in the cover, uh, in the feature match area when he was waiting for the semifinals to finish between Joel Larson and Christopher Larson. I was like, "Who do you want to play against?" And he just whispered, "He just whispered to me, and he goes, uh, the Yorion deck. It's a buy, or something like that." It was really funny. Yeah, yeah, no, that was the deck that we saw uh, in the mocks. You know, the mocks. There was a couple players who showed up with that deck, expecting a lot of four color control. And we saw the matchup play out, and it did seem borderline unwinnable for four color. So, 
good decent metagame call i guess but i'm not so sure it's so i think it's supposed to be be not the greatest against murktide and not the greatest against Crixis. not sure about the living matchup specifically but yeah that deck crushes four color it's funny four color has you know good matchups against almost everyone and then against burn it's a little behind against maybe something like charlotte it's behind and then you've got your nightmare matchup uh, of titan shift yeah what was funny is I believe that we've talked about Titan Shift a load in the past on the podcast. When when there are mocks, there was the mocks. And I watched Gianluca uncovered. I was commentating and he was playing as Murktide. Murktide went turn, had a Ragavan. I don't know which turn. But because of an Explorer, they managed to just Dwarven mine the Ragavan. It must have been on the draw for the Ragavan. It was yeah. really funny. And I think that you do have this value on paper where you can just surprise people when they don't have access to Google your decklist or... What now? It was a closed decklist event. And congratulations, G and Luke. I was I was actually very impressed. I, I'm very happy with the distribution of the decks in the top eight. I thought that it was a very diverse meta, as well as I feel like players did really have access to the cards they wanted to have access to. I did. I spoke with a lot of players. No one said to me that they weren't playing a deck they wanted to play. I, and I just thought the event was overall a success for me. Yeah, the most played list was Merktide. It was 13% of the field. So about, what, one in one in eight players? That's that's a, a little much for a format like Modern I feel, but not too, too bad, I guess. And Living In was next was 8.5% of the field. Burn, 6.5%. Azarius Hammer, 4%. And then, yeah, surprising Monogreen Tron. It's possible, uh, I guess there's the four-color decks, right? You've got probably... Um, you know, maybe people didn't enter their list right, or maybe or their deck name right, and there's four color blank, four color elementals. There's probably a bunch of um, overlap, and or you know, you know what I mean. There's probably like some decks that are incorrectly named. Not incorrectly named, I guess. There's different de- denominations for the the Omnath deck, so you don't know exactly uh, how, how big of a share of the meta was. It's probably like if you add all the Omnath deck, I'm guessing it's got to be like close to to Merktide numbers. Mm. Yeah, that, yeah, that's actually a good point. Yeah. But, you know, I I think I the last thing I want to comment on is people are saying like, oh, 36 players, 470, it's much easier to go to an FNM for 13 players. Is it? You kind of have to do the same same amount of wins as a as a tournament with what you have less you have less rounds but your record has more forgiveness to make top 32, right? There's a difference between winning a tournament, top 32 in a tournament, as well as some people in the tournament hall were say- saying this to me. And I said, well, how many times have you top 32 to challenge on Magic Online? Very similar to that. You have three to 400 players if it's a big event. Top 32 is very possible. So I think that it's reasonable for the amount of players and the amount of invites, as well as you want the Pro Tour to be difficult to get to, right? So... I yeah. think I think overall great event, and why don't you let us know what happened for your blue white days undoing, Gab? Yeah, so I spent most of the week leading up to the weekend practicing alchemy for the arena qualifier. That did not go very well, and as far as modern goes, I played blue white days undoing again. I had gone you know five two and six two the weekend before. On Saturday, I went. Uh, five two or six two again. I went X and two, but my my breakers were were pretty bad, and 
you know, deck still felt pretty good. On Sunday, the wheels fell off a tiny bit. I ended up three and four. I kind of threw away the last round. I wasn't playing for much. And yeah, the deck still feels good. Ragavan turn one's kind of still tough. The four color matchup seems extremely, extremely close. I'm not sure you're, you're favored. You, you might be a flip. Um, that matchup has seemed a little tough. But uh, yeah, I got to play against Waffle on Sunday. He was playing regular blue white. It was really close. I think I was going to win the match, but uh, Hall of the Storm Giant just. I, and I've been playing these blue white mirrors. I played blue white control against blue white Stoneforge yesterday in the league, and it came down to just Hall of the Storm Giant a lot. My opponent had Field of Ruin, so yeah, Hall of the Storm Giant's huge part in in these matchups. And Waffle had. Two to my one, I believe, and he also had some copies of Spreading Seas. And I feel like in the end, that's what made the difference. So if you're playing blue white, you expect a lot of mirror. Definitely, uh, you know, make sure you you keep your your manland hand, you know, quote unquote high, but you know, maybe at two, and you know, maybe maybe the one field of rune, maybe some Spreading Seas uh, can help you there. Um, yeah, I also. Played a league. That was the league I recorded for CFB. I went 5-0 just before the weekend, so I was feeling good about the list. Well, I, I did what uh, George did, who's the, the guy I got the list from. He cut Counterspell altogether for more dress downs, and I tried that, and I liked it. But I think Counterspell still fine. Counterspell, dress down. They're, they're, they're both good cards, so I just really love dress down right now. Um, let's see what else. So, so yeah, that's the list I ran over the weekend. No, no counter spells, and just playing that blue white deck just made me want to play regular blue white again. You know, we've been <laughs> pretty much every week we talk about how blue white control is mediocre and it's not so good, and even Waffle, you know, doesn't win. I mean, they win a decent bit. Him and Mr. Cafriet, Mr. Cafriet came in ninth in the Saturday challenge with blue white control. But yeah, I figured I'd do it. You know, to give it a try, even if I don't win a ton, it's always fun to to struggle. You know, struggle with blue white with mediocre blue white, and it, it went okay. I I played a a prelim event. I went three and one. I actually beat four color twice, not losing a game, which seems unreal. I've literally never seen Wafo win that matchup. I've beaten you know blue white from the four color side a ton. I was informed he actually does win the matchup occasionally, but it's pretty rare. So I think I just got pretty lucky, honestly. My opponents got mana screwed a bunch, uh, flooded a bunch. But what I did after sideboard is I was boarding out all my verdicts and I had subtlety in my sideboard. So I was just trying to, you know, play that almost tempo game, you know, just trying to not be reactive with verdict deciding that if I fall too far behind, oh well, I'll lose. But if I start playing the verdict game, if they go Omnav, draw a card, you go verdict, maybe it's not so great for you, then you know, you're know you tapping out your shields down. And it's kind of the approach I'll, I'll take sometimes, kind of, you know, a lot of time I'll make decisions like that during sideboarding or deck building and people will be, but what if X or Y happens? You know, what if... What if they have a bunch of creatures? What if you fall behind? And I'm like, you know, I'm just trying to play my deck and build my deck in a way that I just never fall behind, stay ahead and try and snowball rather than try and plan for every corner case, 
every bad scenario. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know how much my sideboarding had to do with my wins or if it was, you know, I think it was mostly mostly just them not drawing super well and me drawing decently. But yeah, that was good. I lost to, my one loss in the prelim was to X-File playing Murktide. Uh, the two first games were both kind of screwed and the third game he was on the play was Ragavan into Shredder into some more spells and I, I didn't have an ending on turn one. And I decided, Thanks. yeah, I decided to, um, to just add Forge Tender to the sideboard you are playing Chalice, so that's the non-bow, but I feel like you lose too many games to turn one Ragvan. Forge Tender is a pretty solid card. Obviously good against Burn 2. Uh, protects your Planeswalkers. And as opposed to a one-mana removal spell, the good thing is that if you have Forge Tender and Chalice in hand, you can at least proactively you know, just go Forge Tender into Chalice and not have to worry about it. So I think it might be worth it, honestly. Um, I, I played another league with the deck. I went three and two. It didn't didn't really come up. Uh, I did car- get paired against Burn, but didn't draw the Forge Tenders. I didn't get paired against the Ragman deck. But yeah, it's something I was already thinking about doing with the Days on Doing deck that also plays Chalice, because you know you've got Ending, but past that it's like March is not that great. You have to pitch a card if you want to kill Ragman on one. There's cards like Oust, Isolate. Just reactive one man as well, so maybe a little worse with Chalice, and I'm not, you know, I'm not too too sure uh, what what the answer is. Or you just, you know, keep doing what people are doing. You have your four endings, your three or four solitudes, and I guess you're not that likely to to die to turn one Ragavan. They need to have it, and you need to not have an answer. So mm. so maybe maybe, and you know, that's been working out for me. And, and then sometimes you can even beat a, a Ragavan once in a while was. Who knows shark diamonds and whatnot, but yeah, overall I was I was pretty impressed with blue white control. I thought it was it was really fun to play. You know, lots of cool cards. I was playing a Jace and a Teferi five mana Teferi, which is something that's not always played. I can't really tell if Jace was better than a second Memory Deluge. It did take over some games, but Memory Deluge might have just taken over the same way. And I see the instance fee is pretty huge. Uh, I, I did, I did, I did like the fire eyes. Uh, overall, I, I like started with Monsieur Cafouillet's build, which is also pretty close from Wafu's build, and made a few changes I want to make. But um, yeah, I think their their list is pretty solid. You know, some some shark that films, some fire eyes. The timeless dragon was kind of cool for me, even though it means you can't get to play, you can't play Kahira. So definitely, definitely, I'll probably be playing blue at some more. Maybe even the challenges this weekend, even though it might not be the best deck in modern right now. Mm, okay. How? I mean, I'm guessing you don't play any solitude, right? No, I was playing free solitudes. I know oh, okay. Wafu, Wafu experimented with four path and some field of runes and no solitude, but he quickly, uh, quickly came back to solitude. Now solitude was a little too good. It makes, you know, the burn matchup winnable. Just Teferi, you know, Teferi Time Raveler and Solitudes are really good in this matchup. Teferi forces them to play their burn speed at Sorcery Spell and lets you flash in Solitude. I will say, as someone who was hating a lot on Rolling Vortex, you know, I kept saying how people bring in Rolling Vortex when they should just have more Skull Cracks and stuff. And I've been I've been struggling against Vortex lately. I'm still not sure it would be better than Skullcrack in every game, but I've been, you know, lost a few games to to Vortex. I guess the inevitability sometimes is, is tough because sometimes you can kind of stabilize 
but you still need to, to, to find a way to deal with it or kill them faster. And uh, in, in some thoughts, Vortex can be better. It's called Crack. Plus, if you ever do go like, you know, to resolve a solitude, they can still like pay a red every turn to, to prevent the life gain. I've, I think I've lost a game recently where I attacked multiple times with a solitude and Vortex was definitely clutch. So I got to, mm. you know, got to nuance a bit my take on, on Vortex and some of these matchups. I, I don't think that Vortex is a card that Burn shouldn't board in. I just personally think it's not a great card. And I typically crush Vortex when I play a Chalice and they have a Vortex because I think that it's too slow there. But when I don't have a Chalice or a Prismatic Ending or Teferi, I think that Vortex is decent and I think that's where... Sorry. Yeah, when I don't have those cards, I think it's pretty good. So, yeah. But, okay. And do you prefer your Days Undoing deck to something like a Wafo Blue Light Control deck? Or is Wafo also playing Days Undoing? No, Wafo is still playing regular Blue Light Control. I'm not sure. I don't think he's given the, the Days Undoing list a try. I'm not sure he will, but it's tough. Uh, you know, I've been winning a lot with the Days Undoing deck, but it felt pretty good to just play regular Blue Light Control and be a little less, uh, you know, tap out all in on Planeswalker. I was uh, playing four dress downs between my main and my sideboard, and I think that was really good. I think that card's just so so good in modern right now and it's even better in a deck like blue white control where you're playing everything at instant speed you know it's it's probably okay in murktide people like to play one copy sometimes one copy in the main one copy in the sideboard but yeah i just feel like that card's so versatile so high impact in some matchups it's just an, an amazing card right now so yeah just just finding excuses to to play four dress down in any get any deck really and I was also people were a little surprised when I played against four color. I brought the two extra inside all four, and I'm not sure if it's correct, but I feel like Ice Fang's super good card against you. All maps obviously decent, and it just adds up, you know. When the Ice Fang and you dress down, that's that's kind of a big deal. And same for Omnaf, same for you know, you don't have to live in fear as much as uh, of Yorion blinking a bunch of. Of cards. I mean, sure, when they play Omnath, you, you play Dresdon, you probably still have to deal with Omnath at some point, but um, so maybe that's where I should maybe at least keep in one verdict, because it is kind of cool if they go Ice Fang, you Dresdon, Omnath, you Dresdon, you take some damage, and then you verdict, and you're up a, you know, you're up a few cards. That's pretty cool. I yeah. didn't, I never thought of it like that. If you have so many Dresdowns, you can afford to, to do all that. Yeah, I mean, just in general, Dresdown is usually not a card you can hold on to too too much. You know, you usually have to join to your your land, your lands, and your card drawing spells and whatnot. But sometimes later in the game, you know, it turns five, six, seven. Maybe you're doing okay. You can afford to hold a a Dresdown. But that's what's nice about having four. You just for them. Plus, people probably don't expect you know, uh, not that they can always do something. But I played against Hammer Time and. I kind of used two Dresdowns right away, and the third one was like insane again. That card's really good against Hammer Time. Obviously, it kills the tokens. If you're on the play, you can stop a Stone Fort. But even just, you know, the turn they play Pure Steel Paladin, uh, playing Dresdown in response can be game winning. If they already have Paladin in play, and maybe they're going to trigger Urza Saga 
you know, you just, you know, you get two for one, you get to get the tokens and make sure they don't equip whatever they get with Saga. So yeah, I can't say enough good things about the cards. Fairs. Okay. And well, we see that in Copenhagen, Blue-White Control having 31% win rate. If you had to guess if these Blue-White players played Blue-White Days in doing, do you think they'd have a higher or lower or the same win rate? I'm not too sure. Um, it's possible the Blue-White Days on doing deck is a bit better and maybe also a little easier to play. So yeah, that's, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, I thought... I, I don't have a big enough sample size with, with regular blue whites and, and a great feel yet, but the deck did feel pretty solid to me. Yeah. The problem is I do. four, yeah, four yep. color stuff. Merktide is still like a close matchup. The Merktide matchup's probably a little more skill intensive. You also have like time pressure, maybe. I don't know how many draws these, these, uh, these blue white players had. Um, doesn't look like that many draws. 15 wins, 29 losses, and 4 draws. Hmm. Those draws must be against 4-color, right? Yeah, 4-color blank. Let's see how many matches played. 100 and... 110, 130 matches. 18 draws in 130 <laughs> matches. That's almost, what, 1 in 7 match? And yep. in a draw. But that's not even counting people who scoop or people who lose after time, right? Yeah. You can lose in the extra turns. It, it, it's insane. Burn, A lot of politics. Burn, Burn is the only deck with no draws, shockingly. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't want to draw, play Burn, I guess. Yeah. My my favorite thing is there are obviously young youngsters around the hall. And my favorite thing at GPs is seeing what the youngsters are playing. It's always burn. I, I think that, you know, the MTG dads, they're just like, son, take the burn deck. Take the burn deck. Go, go, go. Or maybe it's a budget reason the dad gives the son burn while he plays four color. The capolar opposites. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's my favorite thing. I think I saw two two young Donnies, as we'd call them in the UK, doing their thing with burn. I was like, you go on, son. Go on, son. But uh, I did not see them on day two, sadly. Yeah, how, how young were they? Would you say? Well, who Dude, was? I put one of them at like a like between eleven and fourteen. That's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I I really like how you know both Grandpa and Young Timmy can come and play Magic. Yeah. But um, do you plan? I think we got a lot of questions. Do you plan on going to any of these legacy events? Well, the Paris, one in Paris. The one in Paris is. The same weekend as one of my best friend's weddings, I'm actually not going to be de- be there, Damn. which which is unfortunate. And be there on Friday. I leave on. Fr- I think we leave on Friday afternoon. I guess I could go. Depend where it is. You know, I'm. I live right outside of Paris, so if it's in my neighborhood, maybe I'll I'll go and say hi and stuff. Especially, are you going? Yes, I am announced as an official commentator. Okay, Paris, nice, so- nice. Yeah, I mean, I know, I I'll try. And, I'll try and come and say hi. Honestly, for sure. Uh, I didn't even think of Friday. Yeah, I um, think I'll be flying in Thursday anyway, so we could at least do something Thursday night if you wanted. Oh yeah, for sure. We should. We should grab dinner. Or you can. You can come over and have dinner at <laughs> our place. But yeah, that sounds good. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to miss that. I I should almost definitely be in Sofia for the regional championship. Oh, nice. another another uh, cool announcements, but. 
I guess doesn't concern too many people. And I hope it's okay for me to share that. I'm not sure why it wouldn't be. They actually changed the rules of Hall of Fame. I'm actually allowed to play in qualifiers now. It was like, if you start playing in qualifiers, you kind of renounce on your once a year invite to regional plus pro tour. Um, because the, the, the Hall of Fame, the current Hall of Fame benefit is once a year, I get to choose one regional plus its associated PT and I'm qualified for both. But the condition is I'm not allowed to play qualifiers. And the goal was that, you know, they thought it would be too big of an advantage if the Hall of Famers could like try to qualify. And then when they fail, they, they can fall back on the invite. So they want to make it too big of an edge. But I guess it, maybe one of the reasons they changed it, it is kind of complicated. For instance, there was an event on Magic Online last weekend. You know, I think the Mox Open gives an invite to the Pro Tour. So it means like, am I not allowed to just play in these events now? You know, is there's like all these events that qualify for you for multiple things, including the Pro Tour. Now I'm just not allowed even to try. So maybe it was it was a little weird. So so we'll see. It will be interesting to see if you know Hall of Famers are overrepresented in the end at the wor- at worlds, um, just because of that change in policy and that. Uh, advantage for what it's worth and i was you know i mentioned it on stream whenever the discussion came up i thought it was a fair system you know i know some other hall of famers felt differently they felt like oh they're just eroding our benefits and it's unfair and you know um i thought that part was made sense to me uh worlds is a big deal pretty exclusive and you don't want to give too big of an edge to to you know a small number of people i guess fairs yeah, no comment for me. That sounds good. I mean, if you think it's okay, Gab, I think it's okay. But um, yeah, Sophia sounds good. I think if uh, things go on track, I should be at Sophia to commentate, hopefully. No, nothing set in stone, but yeah, Legacy and I seem to be getting along quite well. Maybe you can make your way to commentating in the Pro Tour. Just work yeah, your that, way up. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I don't know if I'm allowed to... S- Okay, yeah, I won't say that, but there was someone at that came to check out the Copenhagen event that was higher than Legacy, and I'm as wondering, in, you know, if people are watching, as in a wizard employee. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's okay for me to say. I oh. well, at least I saw some guy wearing like some very official looking merchandise. You know, like there's a difference between like the magic logo and like having like a proper embroidered yeah thing. And he had an American accent too, so must okay. be Watsy. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, hi Watsy. I would love to commentate the Pro Tour, <laughs> but again, stepping stones. I'm happy where I'm at. If they're if Watsy want to get in contact, I'm happy too. But I'm also wondering maybe I'm too controversial for them to want to want to get on. Like for example, I've done cheating stuff, and I'm doing. Uh, I bought a fake Black Lotus from China. Have I shown you? No. I've got like this really sick video coming out today and it's called like I bought a black lotus from China and I bought a fake black lotus and it came with like a full set of dual lands and moxes and fetch lands and then there's also like lily veil thought season all that and I sleeve them up and I'm looking do they actually look fake and I picked all the ones that don't look fake oh it's such a sick video I'm hyped to release it but yeah maybe stuff like this Watsy won't be too happy for me dude. yeah no, I don't think so I think, <laughs> can't you even get in trouble just for doing that even did what, you, for did buying you, them? Did you? Yeah, did you make sure that was like... Okay, I'd be a little worried, honestly. Yeah, well, 
you know, at the start of the video, I blur out where I bought it from, and at the end, I rip up all the cards, but I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. I'm still editing it, too, so I only have the raw footage, but we'll see. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, I think, is that it for Modern? You were playing some Alchemy, or is there anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I think that's it for me for Modern. I don't think we played much Pioneer, and I did play Alchemy. I ended up playing that Diviner of Fate, Kalim card we talked about them. A mid-range version of the deck and I think maybe the deck was just not that great honestly compared to some of the other lists. Crokey's did really well on day one. He went seven and one was a full creature version of the deck uh, trying to abuse the Vanir of Fate and the captain that gets another free drop or another creature just full party creature deck. Pretty cool list. I didn't see a ton of chatter on Twitter about people making it into the arena championship, you know, going 7-1 or better on day one and 7-1 or better on day two. I heard actually a couple John Travel lists for people who follow Alchemy, the deck that got nerfed. I heard a couple people actually qualified with that deck. I was a little surprised. I thought that deck was already a little overhyped before all the nerfs and that after the nerfs, it would be just a mediocre deck, but maybe not. And just in general, I feel like there's very little info about these weekend qualifiers. I don't think um, Wizards even publishes a list. You know, they'll publish um, people who win, I think, seven matches in a row on the ladder. They'll publish lists like that. And I think it's kind of a shame, honestly, because I I put a bit of time in it. And I know I'd love to see what did well, who qualified. We just don't know anything. So I don't know if it's, you know, there's a reason for it or if it's just a case of they haven't really thought about it. They have, you know, people at Wizards historically are overworked and just stretch thin and it's just some something they they, they don't do right now but I, I think it's a shame you know I, I was I think it would be good for for the game to just you know build a bit of hype around these events and get get people talk a, a little bit more about these events but yeah um that that was for alchemy in hindsight I guess was what I knew at the time I uh I maybe wish I'd played the croquis list instead and I started playing a little historic because they added uh, Verdict. You know, they're trying to to make Explorer into Pioneer slowly. And they just added Verdict, Supreme Verdict to, to the format, as well as these um, historic is a little weird. It's like the Eternal Arena format. So you're allowed to play the, the quote-unquote uh, arena cards only. You know, the, the Diviner of Fate, Kaleem Chin, all these cards that are a little weird. And they use digital mechanics. And I build an Esper, Diviner of Fate, Kalim deck. I'm playing four sensor because when you cycle with Diviner of Fate, it, it triggers the, the, the extra draw. It's, it's, it was really good on the ladder anyways. I, I crushed on the ladder. I made it to Mythic. So that's my, that's my goal. I have a week left to make it to top 250 Mythic again to be directly qualified for the arena qualifier. And yeah, that, that's been uh, my arena experience for the past week. Damn. I've always wondered, you know, I if Arena offers some sort of gem reward for top finishers in the ladder, would I play it more? Yeah, it's an eternal discussion. I think some kind of reward would be cool, maybe some some skins or something, but and, and the ladder grind is just so unhealthy. Mm. And even maybe, you know, even people would maybe even good us just for some extra skins or whatnot, so you do have a, a league system now where you can kind of go off an arena and sure you can't 
cash out like you can on Magic Online, but at least you can basically get all of Arena for free if you win enough. You know, usually it, it's been mostly for people or even only for people who are really good at limited. You just play a ton of limited, you can you get a ton of rares and wild cards and you kind of go off and you can play constructed for free basically if you're really good at limited. But now I think there's also the, the option if you just play these events and construct it to just load up on resources. So hmm. yeah, and I guess looking forward, I'm kind of interested in Canister's modern no ban uh, no ban list modern tournament September fourth. I think it's free, but you have to be a Canister sub. I'm not sure if you I don't think you can even pay a fee even if you're not a sub. But I guess you just go sub for a month if you want to play in the tournament. So that might be cool. I'm almost definitely gonna at least build some decks and play a bit with you know whoever wants to play against me uh, on stream. But uh, I might also try to play the, the the tournament as well. It sounds like it could be interesting. Have you ever played? You played a bit of no ban. I guess we played for card market, right? We played no ban list modern, and we played what Splinter Twin against. My what Oko was deck. it? You were playing. But oh, you yeah, do you... remember, Gab? We play. We actually played in a no ban list tournament against each other in the Sparring Spikes one, three four years ago. We did. Yeah, you were playing blue white counterbalance i was playing the same urza emery oh, oko right. deck true and true. i crushed you because i just had cha uh cha chalice on one i think maybe yeah. or something and that how was cool i top eight at that event how do you surprise if my deck was just terrible yeah i remember that now but i don't remember exactly how much how much work i put into it if my list was any good but well, yeah. i think that your list actually won the event i think first place was blue white control Oh, okay. I probably just played terrible then. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? But yeah, no. No Bandless Modern is going to be really interesting with how much degen stuff is going on. I wonder if KCI is good. I've never seen a no Bandless KCI. I don't know. Canister's not playing, though. He's doing commentary, so we might never find out. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. But yeah. Okay. I guess is that us done this week? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm ready to wrap it up. Awesome. So at the end of every episode, we have life on the line and the price is right starting with life on the line. I guess we can just do modern. You can do alchemy as well. If I had a tournament tomorrow where my life is on the line, I personally would bring Titan Shift. Easy Titan Shift because if life's on the line, everyone's going to be playing meta decks. I think I'd be quite comfortable with that, hoping to prey upon four color as well as I think that it's... Uh, not that bad against Burktide. Man, that's a really tough one for me this week because I've been playing these blue-white decks and they're good but not amazing. I might just still go with blue-white days on doing. You know, my overall record is is really solid. Um, you know, I think my, my league record is 8-2. and two. My challenge record, it's x2, x2, x2. And the, the last one, I was not playing so great. Um, so I guess I'd just go with blue-white days on doing right now, yeah. Okay, sick. And yeah, for Alchemy, I'm not too sure. For Historic, I really like that Esper control uh, deck I build. Divine of Fate, Kaleem lines up well against so many cards too, against aggro. It's really good with sweepers. You just tap their creatures, have to add more to the board, you sweep the board. You're even sweet against Perhelion, you get to tap the Perhelion. Uh, the other big benefit of this list that I found in a few matches I've played is that it's really good against Sentinel and Thalia. You know, they can curve... Sentinel and Thalia, and usually it's almost an auto loss, but now you have 
the cycling of the Jinn to buy a bit of time. You got turn three, uh, an actual creature, Divine of Fate that holds the board. And, you know, you can maybe cycle more chains, buys you some time and lets you get out of these mess. So I've been super impressed so far. Sound. Okay. And doing the price is right. We should take a banned card, a modern a card that's Ooh. on the... They're probably going to be pretty low though, but I don't know. What's like, what's like super expensive? What's, what's a card that could be super, ex- well, it was super expensive if it wasn't banned, but it is banned. Like, should we just do Oko? <laughs> yeah, sure. That, that will be pennies though, right? It's banned and everything. I have literally no idea. I'm guessing you can play one in vintage or something, no? Maybe in commander. I don't know. It'd be fun anyways. Yeah. Okay. Oko on cardmarket.com. Um, Okay, I think I have a price. All right, I have a guess too. Three, two, one, five. One. one. Damn, you really think it's. Oko Thief of. What? Like 25 or something? 30 day average price is 13 euros and 37 cents. Really? Why? I mean, it's a mythic. Maybe people just think one day, I don't know. Maybe it's play, it's banned in Legacy too, right? Maybe it's good in Commander? Yeah, it might just be in every Commander deck. Well, why and don't you guys tweet at us and join the pay, uh, the podcast Discord to tell us why Oko is worth that much money? But yeah. um, I guess that's going to be us wrapping up this week. Gab, where can we find you on the internet? Twitch.tv slash yellow hat. Yeah. You can find me looking at the terms of service with Wizard of the Coast if I can actually buy fake Magic the Gathering cards and put it on YouTube. So check it out for that. You can also see my vlog for Copenhagen on my YouTube channel right now. So also check that out if you want to as well. Oh, you did a vlog? Cool. Did you also edit the vlog or is it just raw footage? Like You need to look at the vlog. I ain't going to spoil it. It's sick. Okay, okay, okay. It's sick. The only problem is the microphone is so bad as well as... My camera, when I put it in my bag, I didn't realize that it could accidentally zoom in. Yeah. So a lot of my videos are like really zoomed in, which is really frustrating, but I, I didn't notice because it was Ooh. moving around in my bag. I, I just got a new phone, an S22, Samsung S22. So maybe Jeez. I'll start uh, doing a few more things too. That's sick. Awesome. Yeah. Well, for those who made it this far into the episode, thank you so much for listening. Hope people will catch you guys next week with Pat. Yeah, thank thank you so much and take care everyone.